G'day you mob, Pete here, and this is another episode of Aussie English, the number one place for anyone and everyone wanting to learn Australian English. So, today I have a GOSS episode for you where I sit down with my old man, my father, Ian Smithson, and we talk about the week's news, whether locally down under here in Australia or non-locally <laughs> overseas in other parts of the world, okay? And we sometimes also talk about whatever comes to mind, right? If we can think of something interesting to share with you guys related to us or Australia, we also talk about that in the GOSS. So, these episodes are specifically designed to try and give you content about many different topics where we're obviously speaking in English and there are multiple people having a natural and spontaneous conversation in English. So, it is particularly good to improve your listening skills. In order to complement that though, I really recommend that you join the podcast membership or the academy membership at aussieenglish.com.au where you will get access to the full transcripts of these episodes, the PDFs, the downloads, and you can also use the online PDF reader to read and listen at the same time, okay? So, if you really, really want to improve your listening skills fast, Get the transcript, listen and read at the same time, keep practicing, and that is the quickest way to level up your English. Anyway, I've been rabbiting on a bit, I've been talking a bit. Let's just get into this episode, guys. Smack the bird, and let's get into it. So, what Here are we, we doing, Dad? We're doing um, who you'd invite to dinner, dinner party guests. So, so these are obviously guests that you have a different dinner party with each time, or you yeah, have them all look, at once. This is there's, this is an old <laughs> this is an old parlor game. You know, sort of ironically, it's a dinner party game. Yeah. The um, yeah, who would you invite to dinner? And uh, there's two versions of it. One is who would you invite to a dinner party? Of you know, pick four people, and you and your partner have got to sit down with these four people, and so that you've either got to make them compatible or incompatible or argumentative or whatever. Yeah. The other one is who would you like to have dinner with, and basically it's who would you like to meet and have a conversation with. Yeah. So it's one-offs. So I thought it'd be a really interesting thing to do with living Australians and no longer living Australians. Of you and I pick a person, and you can interview me about why I think this person would be interesting to talk to, and I can do the same thing for you. Um, and we might, it might be useful to do this as a sort of series of short episodes rather than having a half an hour talking about the one person or a bunch of people because it would either get tedious or it would be too quick. So we yep. could do a five or 10 minute go at you know, each person. So, yeah. Well, do you want to start with dead Australians? Dead Australians. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I could give you my list. I, I, I just started with a, um, sorry, I'm going to face ID this. Um, I, got, I started with a handful of people of living and dead and thought you can choose one to um, yeah. talk All about. Right. Okay. So, there you go. And then I'll ask you. You've got to have one up your head. You got. So, I just choose one, one and each. don't actually tell you who it is and you have to guess? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd have to know who they were to give me All clues, right. Well, we can start from the top. Arthur Phillip. Because that Arthur was probably Phillip. one of mine. Well, he's, does that count yeah, as and Australian? That's a cheat. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, he, gets, he gets the honorary Australian award because <laughs> he was the first, other than our Indigenous people, and I've got a number of Indigenous people on there as well, but other than our Indigenous people, um, he was really the first Australian. 
Mm. Um, you could argue that Matthew Flinders was the first Australian because he came up with the idea of calling the country Australia, but uh, and he's not on the list. Um, but he was, you know, he got a uh, an honorary mention uh, or non mention as the case. He may would be. be a good one, but we can talk he about would. why another time. Yeah, he would. Um, so yeah, I put Arthur Phillip on the list because I think he's one of those really interesting characters that if you went out and asked. A hundred Australians <laughs> from the age of five to 105, mm. um, who was the most significant person in the formation of the colony of New South Wales or what became Australia. Cook, Cook, Cook. You would, I reckon, I reckon a hundred of them would say James Cook, yeah. where you might be, you might have one smart ass like me who would say Arthur Phillip, but. And, but if you went and asked uh, those same hundred people who Arthur Phillip was, I reckon 50, 50 of them would have no idea. And so I think he is the uh, sort of- Silent hero. The silent hero, the least understood of the significant characters in Australian history, um, certainly European Australian history. And you know, it's, it's actually uh, a bit silly now to call it European because obviously we now have people from- you know, Asia, Africa, mm -hmm. the Middle East, the Americas and everything but who live in, in Australia. At the time, but at least. At the time, yeah. we were, you know, the, the continent was colonised by Europeans, you know, British Europeans mostly. Though we had, um, uh, I, sorry to pause you here, we no. had a few interesting characters. There was a, an ex-black slave from the Americas called um, Black Caesar. Yes, Black You remember Caesar. hearing about him? Yeah. So, he was a bit of a handful who used to yeah, keep escaping and, you know, yeah. lived as a bushranger, I he think, did. for a while. So, we yeah. had this-, this um, African-Americans ex-slave that was too much for them that obviously somehow got to Great Britain and then got sent out on the okay. first fleet to Australia and then was too much and for a handful here and, and was living in the bush. Yeah, he just buggered off and nobody <laughs> said, just don't go and get him, we don't want him. Well, I yeah. think he ends up dying in a in a fight with either the um, Indigenous people or with- I have to look this up again, it's been a while, but yeah. either the Indigenous people or with the um, the colonists yeah. at the time, but yeah, he would have had an interesting life. Yeah, so so I thought with this, with this, this sort of exercise of the dinner party guest is that not to necessarily give a potted history, don't want to talk, turn mm. the dead people into a history lesson about who they were, but more talk about why they would be interesting to talk to. Yeah. And and for me, Arthur Phillip would be really interesting to talk to because, and you know, putting a little bit of history in there, that he was not only is he the sort of forgotten person in Australian history, but he was the unlikely hero as well. Mm -hmm. He was somebody that you never would have picked out as, yeah, that somebody in- Either the Admiralty or the government in Britain would have said this is the right person to put in charge of the first fleet to go and create a colony on, on Mars, effectively, the other side of the world. Because um, he had a kind of mediocre career, right? He did. Yeah, he was. He wasn't. He wasn't um, a failure, but he wasn't, he wasn't a failure. Um, but he wasn't. He wasn't the you know the rapidly elevated to vice admiral and you know in the navy and going to be. He was a captain in the in the in the British navy. He then went ironically and worked for connection with your. Background, he had language background. Mm -hmm. He went and worked for the Portuguese Navy. He spoke Portuguese uh, he pretty spoke well. Portuguese, yeah. Mm -hmm. He was a, effectively a consultant with the Portuguese Navy for a long time. Um, and then he married a woman who was, uh, in, in, she was a widow. She'd inherited a farm from her previous husband. He married her and he became a farmer. He retired from yeah. the Navy, became a farmer. Um, and and then sort of got dragged, not quite kicking and screaming, but <laughs> but sort of from from obscurity into planning and executing what has to be, I think, 
the single greatest migration story in the history of the world. Mm. Of you, we're going to give you a thousand people's lives, <laughs> and it's going to take you nine or ten months to sail around the world and put you in charge of these people to create a new colony. Well, the next, on the, other side the next of the thing world. we would see closest to this, paralleling this kind of, you know, story, would be the colonization of Mars. Yeah. If yeah. it happened, though, it's never happened on before mass. him, and it's never happened since him. Yeah, that there was a deliberate colonization of of a place in the world because colonization up until then, and even past then, by you know, mostly Europeans, um, had always been sort of incremental. Yeah. It had just been well, yeah, we'll all- set up a port, we'll set up a and port, then we'll and then out. we'll have a little village, and then yeah, we'll set up a government and whatever. But whereas this was just, we'll go from. Yeah, you know, zero to a hundred in mm-hmm. yeah with one yeah, shot with one shot yeah yeah. So, but do you think that's part of the reason they ended up choosing him because I no think, big name was no, like they didn't they didn't <laughs> I'm not no, doing that exactly I, I yeah, think that, that is absolutely true there was there was limited chance that any of the big wigs <laughs> anyone want to put their hand and, up <laughs> and effectively this was this was a um, you know without putting too many things now he didn't die but. Uh, well, he did, but not in Australia. Yeah. Um, he's still yeah, here. He's still here. That's worth it. <laughs> he doesn't shouldn't be on this list. Yeah. No, Adam. he's not the dead. Uh, it was a suicide mission. It was effectively yeah. Yeah, a professional suicide mission, if nothing else. This was yeah. the end of career job for somebody. This was the, well, you got nothing better to do. Why don't you have a crack at this for five, a few years and see what happens? Mm. Um, and But the things that I, I really- and having read a lot about him, the things that I really find interesting were how much he pushed back against the Admiralty and the government, yeah. who they basically wanted to do this as a cheap shot. And it would have failed, right? He pushed it back. absolutely would have failed without yeah, him. Because they wanted to under-resource they it. Under-resourced, they- not only under-resourced what they would look like when they got there, mm-hmm. but he kept pushing back going, no, 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 I want all the ships rebuilt. I want this, thing. I want these stores. I want this and I want- And he just kept pushing back. And it, it He wasn't them- in a rush to die. He wasn't <laughs> in a rush to die and he wasn't in a rush to succeed. Yeah. And I think that's one of the key aspects of- of, you know, having been handed this job, you got to go, you know, the, you know, if he'd been half his age, take him back to, you know, yeah. early in his career and they'd given him this job, he wouldn't have handled it the same way, I'm no. sure. It would have been, whoa, here's an opportunity. Let's go and see how I can screw this up. Dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas a thousand, he, a thousand he, people he, dead. <laughs> he really spent a lot of time saying, what am I going to need to get this number of people across the world? Yeah. Um, in a condition, and the irony is that the people in the first fleet, he lost far fewer people to you know, illness and death in um, in that just the, just the transportation process, the actual being shipped from England to what is now Sydney. He lost far fewer people than certainly the second fleet. The second fleet was just a disaster, uh, but than many of the others you know, per capita. How many did we lose? Uh, 48 deaths on the first fleet. Yeah. There you go. Most of them men. Yeah. So one child. Four and a half percent. <laughs> oh, five yeah. children, sorry. Yeah. yeah. One um, one Marine's child. Yeah. Um, and so he had really spent a lot of time saying, I, firstly, I need to get healthy people. I need to get people on there who are healthy. This is not just a, this was not a police exercise. This is not just saying, let's take a whole bunch of convicts and that we, uh, all the worst people that we can possibly imagine, throw them on the other side of the world. Mm. This was an opportunity to say, let's get the right people. And it wasn't just skill sets um, that he was looking for. It was he wanted healthy people uh, to go. And and so then he said, we have to have food. We've got to have to have food to last us 
two years. Yeah. And because there was this assumption that it appears, and we'll never know because I haven't read any of the original documentation, and I'm sure there is some available in what the Admiralty and the government in Britain were saying at the time. But my understanding is that they were basically, well, yeah, we'll give you six months' supply when you get there. You can just grow your own food. Mm. And he looked down. Yes, he had the background, obviously, having been a farmer for the latter part of his career as well. Uh, but he also looked at it and just said, we're going to fail. You know, we need to be able to have food, two years' worth of food. Oh, well, we'll send another fleet out. That's fine. But what if they fail? <laughs> yeah. You know? And so he, he pushed really hard to get that. The other thing that I'd be really interested in talking to him about and is how did you manage the – because for all we read, he actually had quite a um, – a different attitude towards Indigenous people from what the Admiralty and the government and everything else had. In that he was very he was very much along the lines of I'm going to have to live or we are going to have to live alongside these people. Yeah. We do not want to create conflict. This um, is one of the really interesting things, <clears throat> excuse me, that's that's worth talking about because I think a lot of people don't- it, They see it as black and white. Oh, well, they were European colonizers, so clearly they wanted to commit genocide on the indigenous population. Mm. And I think a lot of people forget that Arthur Phillip wasn't moving there. He was working to establish a colony that m- may persist into the future but had no real- understanding of what was actually going to happen in the future. But not yeah. only that, he was just doing a certain shift, effectively, right, of four or yeah. five years yes. and then went back to England. And so, his goal wasn't how do I turn the Indigenous population, you know, into slaves or no. bend them to my will exactly. and everything. He had a deep understanding of the fact that he was going to have to rely on the Indigenous people in that area yeah. if he wanted he to live. he didn't want to create conflict. You know, yeah. The last thing he wanted to do was have them killing <laughs> knew, each other. Because he knew, yeah, yeah they, he would lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, how you manage um, the attitudes of not just the, the convicts, but, yeah, he's taking a lot of military people with him. Yeah. And a lot of Marines and Army with him. And how do you manage their attitudes and their behaviours yeah. in order to facilitate that? And he seemed to do it pretty yeah. well. Yeah, well, he, did he hang he people was, who killed Indigenous he people? He did. He did. Probably he was, not because they killed Indigenous people, but because they put the colony at risk, yes, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but yeah, still. He was, he was speared by an Indigenous person. Yeah. Was that Ben Along or was that someone else? No, it was somebody else. But but he deliberately said, no, I don't want retribution for yeah. this. I don't want you going out and killing this person. That's not what is it about. So Let's see. Who speared Arthur Phillip? So, ah, it was Willamering. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's right. So, they- Well, the reason he got speared, speared too, to let people know, is that- um, that, And this is the interesting thing with Arthur Phillip trying to manage these relationships with the Indigenous people. In order to try and build a bridge of communication, he had to kidnap Indigenous people like Willamaring, I think, yeah. and um, Benelong in particular. And Willamaring, <clears throat> in this famous incident that I think took place in Sydney Cove, didn't it? Yeah. Um, he ends up escaping because, you know- Philip Arthur Philip would catch these two and like lock them up and try and teach them English effectively and then be like okay now you can go and but we want to be able to communicate with you and yes. your people. Um, I think Willamering disappeared and they went and found him and Arthur was like oh there's Willamering and they were having a corroboree or something a party and he went over there and Willamering was like fuck you dude yeah, stabbed exactly. him but I think the evidence is that he didn't do it in a way to kill Arthur no, Philip it no. was a 
this is retribution. This is payback for kidnapping me, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so- Yeah, it was indigenous yeah. law that was, you know, it just wasn't a fear of, you know, yeah. being captured again or whatever. It was just, you know, oh, we're- I'll treat you as equals, and the way I would treat one of my colleagues who had done this is I would stab him with a spear. It, which is pretty <laughs> so. amazing to think about the amount of uh, foresight that he had and, and you know, uh, restraint that mm. he had as well. Because I would imagine that many other leaders of that time or Marines under his command would have been like, kill a lot Just of them. Just kill a lot of them. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is too much yeah. pain. And not realise that, no, well, that's actually putting everyone in jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. Not just danger of, of being killed by the- you know, retribution, in retribution, but also we then no longer have people here who, like who know how to use the land and the land. food. And yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, the other thing, too, that I find really interesting is that he- the way he had to treat both his staff and convicts uh, from a food point of view, he yeah. was rationing people from the day they got there and there was a huge amount of resentment for that. Um, and the first person hanged in Australia was hanged because they stole food from the stores, mm-hmm. not for murder or for raping people or for you know, running off and killing indigenous well, people. But again, or else. putting it was the colony but you put in jeopardy. The colony in jeopardy, and it, and it's that you know having that oversight um, of the whole picture and understanding that. Stealing food is the worst thing you can possibly do because yeah. it's the only thing that's going to keep us alive through a winter. Yeah, yeah that's- I, yeah. I had a feeling when I, I was learning a limited amount about him, and I haven't read his specific biographies yet, but I've read um, a lot of books that have mentioned and talked about what he's done, that he was somewhat resentful or not not resentful, but didn't want to have to do those kinds of things. No, he no. was very kind of like- uh, Hard place in a rock and not a bloodthirsty kind of leader, no, which we no, seem exactly. to have gotten later on yeah. in a lot of these places, especially the um, penal colonies or the penal jails seem to yes. end up with yeah. psychopaths running yeah. them. And I think that was one of the successes uh, is that we had somebody who was compassionate both inwardly within the colony, but outwardly with the indigenous people. But he was also, happy is the wrong word, able to overcome his compassion <laughs> And take the hard decisions of, you know, you're hanging somebody mm-hmm. for doing something that at home well, would have been a relatively trivial crime. Stealing food uh, while starving, right? Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. And yeah, but he had that capacity to do that. And I think that was one of those successes. So the other thing that I'd be really interested in having is the retrospective with him mm. of, of doing the, <laughs> well, you know, you came out here in 1788. And Look here at us we now, are, bro. <laughs> Two hundred and thirty years later, Barnaby Joyce just got fined yeah, for not wearing a not face wearing mask. A face mask. <laughs> Hang him. What do you um, reckon? Yeah. So yeah, you know, and uh, what do you think? How did we screw up? Yeah. It'd be really interesting to look at that and go, what were you thinking when you went back to England after what, nearly five years here of being governor of New South Wales? Um, what did you think was going to happen? And obviously, he lived for uh, some time afterwards, and he would have. Heard and yeah, mm-hmm. about progress and so on, but you know, 50, 150, 300 years later, not that we're 300, but 230 years later now, could you have foreseen this? And <laughs> well, uh, of course not, of course not, yeah. but but it's it's more that, yeah, it's now, yeah, the modern world now is so, yeah, when, when and how we were colonized is sort of irrelevant, mm. but if you if you take him forward, you know, even to say the yeah, 100 years to the late, uh, yeah, nineteenth century. Yeah. Um, after we had gone through convicts and started to develop, yeah, you know, how would he have seen that, and what advice could he have given people as to, you know, 
how they could improve the country. It'd be really interesting to have those sort of conversations with someone who was the start of it all. So It'd be incredible to understand what Australia was like back then too, from his point of view and the colony's point of view, you know, what it was like in their psyche of we we have, have just taken, stolen, acquired this this very small parcel of land in Sydney Cove and there is this unknown amount of country yeah. that, that stretches out before us with, you know, unknown threats, unknown animals, completely new species. You know, they see kangaroos and they're just like, what the fuck yeah, is this exactly. thing? <laughs> you can eat it. And then just the- You hear possums and koalas. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like. It'd be really cool to be able to do some sort of time travel tourism where you could spend the night on both sides, you know, in the indigenous side as well, but Mm. in the colony and hear and understand what their fears were, what they were worried about, what their day-to-day life- Like, you wonder- The colonists often get demonised, but as being these, you know- people who ended up taking this land, but I doubt that was on their minds, at least for no, the majority of them. No. They were probably so How close. How do I survive? Exactly. Yeah. What do I have to do Certainly to Certainly in that first, the first fleet yeah. was, yeah, how do I survive? Yeah. Well, and and that- until we get another, you know, fleet of yeah. ships bringing food to us, that's, I'm sure, the almost the only thing they were, they were thinking of. Well, and a lot of the- It would have been interesting to see Arthur Phillip with the ability to go home at any time, effectively. And be like, I have. How do you feel being I'm here, done. knowing that you can, you've got a, a go home ticket? Yeah. Whereas, and the Marines have yeah. the go home Whereas, ticket. Yeah, Whereas the convicts, of the people who came uh, there for seven to fourteen years, yeah, which is effectively which is life. Effect- yeah, because they yeah. were, yeah. Well, there Who's were going to be able to afford who to earned go home? enough money to buy their way home again. But ironically, that very few of them wanted to, even the ones yeah. who were successful. Oh man, England was a shithole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so. <laughs> Which was why they probably stolen or, you know, mm-hmm. gone into the crime. The life they had come from. Exactly. They were what. probably like, man, I get farmland. Yeah. I get to, you yeah. know. And those, the first fleeters were not, uh, mostly they were petty criminals, but they were not the, you know, some of the later ones were political criminals, particularly mm-hmm. the Irish and mm-hmm. the Scottish, the Irish in particular, but um, where it was just, yeah, get these people out of here. Uh, you know, they were, they beca- very quickly became- you know, productive members of society because a lot of them were literate, you know, yeah. literate skilled, professional lawyers, scholars. Yeah, lawyers, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yes, yeah. It was one of the guys who apparently was you know, one of the first uh, architects and artists who came to Australia mm-hmm. was a um, convicted. He wasn't a political prisoner. Was but he a forger? He was a forger. Yeah, <laughs> clearly fake a very a very clever drafts person. Just not clever enough artist. not to be caught. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, he became a very successful architect. Yeah, what was, was his a, name? I can't remember. No. Yeah, no. So, I think I have a feeling I was reading about him recently. Yeah, but those sort of stories of you know, how do you choose? Who to put on the boat? Well, clearly, you don't choose the worst of the worst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's yeah. a pretty quick way to just turn everything yeah. to shit. Rapists and murderers, <laughs> you can stay home. Thank and you. they're dead. Yeah, yeah everyone's yeah. dead, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, anything else to add? No. Philip no, wise? No, I think- What other questions would you have for him? Um, did you have any regrets? What would you have mm. done differently? That's always a good question to ask somebody who's done something monumental. I'd- and for what we perceive, you know, 230 years later, you know, relatively you know, indigenous aspects aside, and that's not downplaying them, but, you know, relatively successfully, um, what would you have done differently? Mm. What, what, you know, where did you screw up? <laughs> it's always a really interesting question to ask somebody who, yeah. for all intents and purposes, has been successful. You know, it's- 
I would love to know what he thought of Indigenous people prior to meeting them, mm. after meeting them, and then after the five years or the yeah, however he got home because had he had spent it. a lot of time with Willamering and and, and Benalong. Um, Benalong. Yeah. Benalong, I think I don't know if Willamering went, but Benalong definitely went to Great Britain with him. Yes. So it would have, it would have been really interesting to to see how his view of these people would have changed over that time, mm. you know, and to. To have heard about what Benelong's stay in England would have been like. Because <laughs> I can imagine that would have been pretty interesting. Yeah. 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 Anyway. All right. Well, cool. we'll have to do this next time. We Another will. one. It's my turn. turn next time. Mm. Yeah. All right. Cheers. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you, guys. Alrighty, you mob, thank you so much for listening to or watching this episode of The Goss. If you would like to watch the video, if you're currently listening to it and not watching it, you can do so on the Aussie English channel on YouTube. You'll be able to subscribe to that. Just search Aussie English on YouTube. And if you're watching this and not listening to it, you can check this episode out also on the Aussie English podcast, which you can find via my free Aussie English podcast application on both Android and iPhone. You can download that for free or you can find it via any other good podcast uh, app that you've got on your phone, Spotify, podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it is. I'm your host, Pete. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a ripper of a day and I will see you next time. Peace.